Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. It's man, it's important, you know. It's like it's like if we're not if we're not controlling what we can control, right? Um, there's systems in place that have been in place for a long time to always see us be last, right? And I'm like, mm, I don't even really like talking about that too much, right? Because I can't control none of that. I can't control what they're doing up in Senate and Congress and all this kind of thing. I can't control none of that. What I can control is what happens in my home. What I can control is the people that I'm around, right? Um, And the type of content that I put out. And so if I know that I want to push a positive narrative, well, then that's what you're going to see, right? When I went full-time freelance in 2017 after working in corporate America and really hating it, like I'm, I'm not the person to tell when she, when you think I can take a lunch break. (laughs) What's up, beautiful people. This is another episode of creative habits podcast. We have a very special guest today. Um, She states vulnerability and growth from the foundation is the foundation of her work. Um, she's an awesome storyteller, photographer, um, filmmaker. Um, from what I've seen, a, a, a wonderful performance artist as well. Um, can we all welcome Melissa Alexandra? How you doing today? I'm doing good, brother. How you feeling? I am great. I am great. So um, tell me a little bit. Of, more about your background from my understanding you're from atlanta right um no i'm actually i'm from a lot of different places um i lived four different states before i was 10 years old Mm. um my father was in banking and he got transferred a lot right so i was born in cali i was born in oakland and then we moved to texas and then we moved to maryland and then we moved to connecticut Mm. And then we moved to Georgia when I was 10, right? So for all intents and purposes, um, I am from the South, you know, um, mm-hmm. not born and raised, but mostly raised, right? Um, and when I leave, when I leave Atlanta, I know I'm not home, mm-hmm. right? Because I just have those Southern sensibilities, please and thank you. Yes, ma'am, no ma'am, <laughs> you know what I'm no ma'am type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, that's where I'm from. I was raised in Jonesboro, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. And then I moved to Atlanta for college to go to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of stuck around. So how has um, traveling, has that had any impact on your perspective and how you create art? Um, You know, that <laughs> no, uh, it's it's allowed me to, I mean, because it was such formulative years, it was like the earlier years mm-hmm. of my life, right? Um, I will say that my family has always been a very, um, they're New Yorkers, like my parents are New Yorkers. Um, so 
they already kind of have a bigger worldview of things than maybe some other people um, because just because they were raised around so many different cultures, right? And even growing up, we had foreign exchange students, mm-hmm. right? So we had people from Japan, students from Japan, students from Germany, student, students from France, Switzerland. Um, I think I might be forgetting one, but, you know, these are the type of things I grew up with, like hearing other languages and stuff like that. So I would say, and then on top of that, we also had foster children, mm-hmm. right? So like, I would definitely say that uh, from a very young age, I understood that there's lots of different walks of life. Everyone's not going to look like you. Everyone's not going to eat the same food you do. Right. But um, at the end of the day, we're all, we all, there's, there's more commonalities than we think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if that's informed my practice, maybe in a way, um, I think it's just more informed me as a person, right? And my mm-hmm. love of traveling and trying different foods and listening to different types of music and stuff like that. I love that. So tell me <clears throat> the time where you picked up your first camera and you tell me tell me about the time you fell in love with photography. Let me let me state that. When I was 16, maybe 15, 16, probably 16 though, uh, leading up to that Christmas, right? So we're looking at 2002, something like that, 2001, 2002. Um, My father had asked me what I wanted for Christmas, right? And I was like, yo, I want two turntables and (laughs) records and a mixer because I thought I was going to be a DJ. Well, I eventually did become a DJ, but, you know, I saw myself... Uh, touring around Europe, I was really heavy into like trance music and mm. bass and stuff in high school. So the latter part of high school. And so I was like, yo, I'm about to get these turntables. I'm about to be out here. So come Christmas, it's a box sitting there. And I'm like, that's not turntable. <laughs> that's not even one turn. That ain't even no mixer, right? I was like, what is this? And it was a camera. It was a little like point and shoot. Mm. And... I was like, all right, I guess I'll, you know, thanks for this, daddy. Like, this is cool. This isn't what I asked for, but, you know, thank you, right? And I just started carrying it around with me. And it wasn't even like a, oh, I'm going to be a photographer. It was more like um, when I was when I was younger, right? So a story within a story, storyteller, right? But story within a story. When I was younger, I really liked looking at my parents' um, photo albums, right? And I could picture them very clearly. They were kind of puffy and they had like a green one. They had a blue one. They had a white one for the wedding and like all these different joints. Right. And I just remember love. I used to love looking through them, mm-hmm. looking at mm-hmm. all these faces and being like, who's this? And look at your hair and look at the outfits and all this stuff. Right. And I wanted to make something like that. Right. And so I just started carrying it with me to school, carrying it with me wherever I was. And then it got real bad when I got to college. Right. And I was to the point where my friends was like, yo, put the camera up. Like, <laughs> I'm like, but the light looks so good on you right here, right? So I always just kind of had that eye. And then um, I still wasn't calling myself a photographer though, right? Like it wasn't something that I felt like would have been a viable option for me. Um, it, it didn't even seem like, it wasn't even on my radar, right? So when I got a little bit older, now we're moving forward to when I was about 20. 
eight, twenty nine, I had moved back to Atlanta. I had moved away for about five years mm-hmm. when I was pregnant with my daughter, right? And so we moved back. Well, I moved back to Atlanta, and um, with my first tax return, <laughs> <laughs> I got a camera. Like I got a real, like a real, like quote unquote, real camera where you could take the lens off, detachable lens, and all that good stuff. And I was like, yo, if I had known this is the kind of tax return you got, I would have had a kid earlier. But um, but not nah, like <laughs> I, I just started photographing once again, doing that same thing, coming back to what I had been doing years before, mm-hmm. just documenting things that I saw in my neighborhood, in my house, things like that. And at this time, Instagram was like, you know. People was on Instagram. People like I. I was just getting on Instagram, and I would post up pictures. And it got to a point where I was getting a good response from folks, um, and then people were like, "Yo, I'll pay you mm-hmm. to do this." And I was like, "You'll pay me to do something I would do for free, mm-hmm. right?" So I was like, "All right, there might be something to this. You know what I'm saying? There might be something I can maybe make shake." Um, maybe as a side hustle or something. And that's around the time that I really started calling myself a photographer, right? My my relationship with photography goes back to being a youngin. Mm. Um, so it felt like a full circle moment that here I am now, once again, falling in love with pictures and, and, and appreciating this fact that I can pause a moment in time that we can go back to and refer back to again and again to where hopefully those who come after us can do the same thing that I did as a youth and be like, yo, who are these people? What were they doing in 2023? This looks mm-hmm. crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm, that's what gives me joy, right? Just the idea of that. That's important. I think it's um, extremely important for us not only photographers, but artists to Mm. document our experiences, you know, tell our own narratives, tell our own stories, you know, so future generations won't get a watered down, washed down version of who we are. You know what I mean? So I love the fact that you got your 10,000 hours in, you documented everything around (laughs) you, you know, and, and it, it, it shows in your work, it reflects in the work that, that you produce the the dedication that you provide in your work, you know, and I really, cause I've, I've been following you to be honest, I've been following you for a while now and I'm looking at, I'm looking <laughs> right. at your work and I'm like, yo, she is really nice. Really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's, you know, honestly, uh, and it's funny because I was just talking to my partner about this um, earlier, but it's like my curiosity, right. And my sense of adventure and my sense of, um, what's around the, you know, wondering what's around the corner and mm. that being the thing that propels me. Right. So there's that, but then it's also this insatiable desire for knowledge. Mm. I really love learning. I love learning like little facts, big facts, doesn't matter. Right. It's knowledge. Um, and with photography, it's never ending. Mm. Right. You think, you know, something and you'd be like, yeah, I'm good with this. And it's like, yeah, there might be some photography setups where I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, you want this type of lighting? I can do that, right? But mm-hmm. what happens if you move the light a little bit? 
Mm-hmm. What if you turn the power down? What if there's so many different like little things to tweak that can give you completely different results right. that, you know, it keeps my interest peaked all the time. Then you're adding in the fact that everyone has their own story. Mm-hmm. And then and when you're in the photographing process, you're learning about their stories. Now, um, and I feel like maybe I would feel that way even if I wasn't a portrait photographer, right? If I was a landscaper, mm-hmm. I mean, a landscape photographer or architecture, like there's still history and facts within that, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the the knowledge and the pursuit of it is what really propels my work, right? And even when I see my studio work from early, mm-hmm. and it looks trash. Right? <laughs> it doesn't look good, right? I still have friends that I photographed back then that are like, yo, but this is still one of my favorite pictures of me. And I'm like, how? Mm-hmm. Please come back to my studio and, and, and rock with me now, right? So I can give you something that, you know, I could feel proud of in this moment. But who's to say in another five years that I won't look back at that photo and mm-hmm. be like, dang, I got better again. I'm sorry not to cut your wisdom, but I think it's it's the moment that they spent, the moment that you guys shared in yeah. the studio. That's like the most important part, whether it's a really good portrait or, mm-hmm. you know, something that's not up to your standards. Because we're all, as artists, we're all our own biggest critics at the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know, and especially if you're a successful artist, you're always thriving for, you know, to better yourself, you know, which is is important. But those small moments that you share with your your clients or your friends or whatever, those are, to me, more important. Absolutely. You're right about that. And that's a good point. And thank you for, like, giving me that perspective or offering me that perspective because it's 1000 percent about the experience that y'all have. And that's, you know, and that's. Another thing about photography that is, it's the intimacy of it all, right? Mm -hmm. It's the fact that you get to look someone in the eyes, right? Or someone gets to look you in the eyes um, for a length of period of time. Mm -hmm. And they, it's almost like they have no other option but to open up. And if they're opening up, right, the natural thing is to open up as well, right? So now you're exchanging giving and receiving these energies that are hopefully of a positive nature. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that in itself is such a, is such a potent and important aspect to photography that sometimes I'll see photographers and they'll just be like, Oh, Hey, I'm a headshot photographer. Right. And I watch them work and it's like impersonal as mm-hmm as hell mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like wow that's wild the, 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 the work may be good but I'm like what what was exchanged here is this just like a one-off is this just like a all right cool you know like a wham bam thank you ma'am is it just like a one night stand type thing mm-hmm. or are we creating something here that's gonna stick with them and they'll remember and they'll say oh wow yeah I remember I worked with Melissa you know what I'm saying and it mm-hmm. felt like this right um and that's something that when people recommend me, that's what, you know, whoever's coming that was like, oh, yeah, you know, such and such recommended me. They said you're good to work with. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm good to work with mm-hmm. because I'm open. Mm-hmm. And that's important to, you know, not only for you as an individual, but 
for your business as well. You know, how else you going to get jobs? You know, <laughs> it's through word of mouth. Having having good experiences with yeah. clients is important. Yeah, man. So, um, what keeps you motivated? Like, what inspires you to continue to move forward and 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 produce this this great work? <laughs> because there's lots of things, right, that keep me mm-hmm. motivated um, and inspired to keep going. Um, in a lot of ways, you ever had that feeling where you had a great idea mm-hmm. and you didn't do shit with it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the idea goes to someone else mm-hmm. and you're like, dang, <laughs> <laughs> I really dislike that feeling. You know what I mean? Um and so I say to myself, well, I, there's people that I look up to, right? Um, I'm thinking about Jamel Shabazz. I'm thinking about Kwame Brathwaite, mm. about Dave, Bruce Davidson. I'm thinking about my homegirl, Layla, right? Um, and Layla has an Arabic last name, and I'm always terrible at pronouncing it, but Layla knows who she is. Mm. Um, but I look at those people, and I think... Well, they didn't give up, right? Mm. They have curiosity, right? They, uh, in fact, with the exception of maybe Kwame Brathwaite, they were street photographers, right? Mm. The, the other photographers I named are like street photographers and they have that curiosity, right? And I'm like, dang, okay, well, look how far they've gone. Look what they do, right? Look, look, look at what they've created just by simply saying hello to someone. Right. And so... Again, my curiosity is what keeps me going and keeps me motivated. Um, I love hearing stories. I love putting myself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pleasure because we're gaining, we're getting understanding when we do that. And so I always hope that my photography feels like you're looking at yourself, right? Whether it's a picture of you or not. Mm. Or maybe it gives you, it makes you pause for a second to say, what's going on here? Um, what is this person's experience? But then, you know, at the base of it, a lot of it, of my work is, is a lot of love. Um, I really love my folks, my people. Yeah. And I, very early, I, I realized that, you know, the media will portray us in, ways that are really foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's you know definitely things that are unsavory, but that's with all people, right? And I'm like, dang, all right, you got all this stuff in the in the news and the media and the way they, you know, portray hip hop and all this stuff as just being like knuckleheads and like violence and all this stuff. And I'm like, dang, but I know a different type of people than that. You know what I'm saying? Like I know mm-hmm. a lot of love and I know a lot of a lot of warmth and a lot of joy and a lot of laughter and a lot of, you know, hard conversations and all these type of things. And I'm like, let me highlight that a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, as I'm planning out things and planning what I'm going to be doing for Black History Month, I keep coming back to this working with children. Last year, what I did was I did a thing called Black History Babies, where children were dressed up as non like like black history figures but like not malcolm x not rosa parks right we're looking at people who don't maybe get that shine right Mm -hmm. and so as i'm thinking about 
what I'm going to do for this year's Black History Babies. I don't necessarily want it to be the same thing. I want to do something a little different. And I'm going through all these ideas and I'm like, okay, let's just, I'm getting overwhelmed. Let's just go to the base. And what is the base, right? I love Black children. I love children in general, (laughs) but I really love Black children, right? And I love their joy and I love watching them laugh. I love watching them figure things out. And so that's where I'm leading from, right? So that's the 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 backbone of everything I do, mm-hmm. right? Is that is to show us us in the most mm-hmm. authentic way that I can. That is extremely important. Um when I look at so-called um I don't want to say mainstream photographers, but photographers, that's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how to light as well. They don't know how to pose as correctly. They don't know um how to dress us. How to dress us, you know, <laughs> and it's they don't know how to do our hair. They don't know nothing, that. nothing. And it's important that photographers like you or a Gordon Parks, like, you know, show us in the light that we see ourselves. You know, not only we can be glitzed and glammed up, but us just on the block, just mm-hmm. being us. We're not monolithic. We're we're a variety of, of, of different, but the same people. And just shedding that light on us and letting us control that narrative is important. And I love what you're doing. I love that. <laughs> it's man, it's important, yo. It's like it's like if we're not if we're not controlling what we can control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's systems in place that have been in place for a long time to always see us be last, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, mm, I don't even really like talking about that too much, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can't control none of that. I can't control what they're doing up in Senate and Congress and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. I can't control none of that. What I can control is what happens in my home. Mm-hmm. What I can control is the people that I'm around, right? Um, and the type of content that I put out, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so if I know that I want to push a positive narrative, well, then that's what you're going to see, right? When I went full-time freelance in 2017 after working in corporate America, and really hating it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not the person to tell when she, she, when you think I can take a lunch break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not that person. I don't like being micromanaged, and I don't like any of that stuff. I like figuring out things for myself, right? So when I went full time freelance in 2017, I made a list of agreements that I still have on my my corkboard you know, that I look at every so often just to make sure I'm still on track. Right. And one of those was an agreement that the people I work with will always be as of a positive nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was 2017. Hell, I wrote that when I was still working in corporate America on their stationery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because even before I actually stepped out to work on, you know, on my own business, um, I was already in that mindset, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I, I have my intentions and my values and I'm, 
I'm very like, I'm not going to compromise my values. Um, well, depends on how much money is involved, right? We're talking <laughs> about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. My values can be bent a little bit, right? Mm. But if it's something that I'm staunchly against, then there's really not going to be any amount of money that's going to be able to sway me, right? And I'm thinking specifically about last year, I worked with a marketing company on a campaign for one of the pharmaceutical companies for COVID, Mm. right? That was Mm. putting out the vaccine. And I, you know, I went back and forth about that, like, Really went back and forth about that. But when they told me the number, I was like, all I got to do is take pictures. I don't got to endorse nothing. I don't got to do nothing. They was like, yeah, no, you're just taking the pictures. I said, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. Right? Cool. I'll do that. (laughs) But in general, I mean, but even, I'll even say this, the amount of turmoil that it caused me on the inside, right? I know my values are strong. Um, And... I'm very transparent with my clients. I'm very open with my clients. And that's what the reputation that I've built just because I'm me authentically. I'm not coming into this with like ego, right? I'm not coming into this with, you know, I I photograph famous people and I photograph non-famous people. They're all people though. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But is it positive? Is it good? Are they black? <laughs> that's like that's where I'm leading from. It's important. Like other people, not that I can't photograph other people and other cultures, love to do that. But first and foremost, in my heart, is us. Yeah. Um, speaking of that one challenge, has there been any other challenges you had to face in order to? you know, um, becoming a photographer and and run your business? Yeah, comparison, you know, Mm. comparing and being like, oh, my work doesn't look like their work or why am I not getting those opportunities or, you know, maybe feeling like, well, everybody else is in the fine art world. Maybe I should be in the fine art world. Mm. Do I want to be in the fine art world? You know what I'm saying? Like comparing myself has been a very big challenge. Um, But the more I grow to like myself and love myself, the less comparison I do. And the more I'm able to celebrate my fellow photographers, like Mm -hmm. from a real place and not, I mean, and now I could be like, yo, that's a dope opportunity. I wonder how they got that, right? And not Mm -hmm. feeling pride or ego or anything like that when I say, yo, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is inspiring me to get my ass in the studio and get to work because mm-hmm. someone's success doesn't take away from me, right? Um, so, like, that's been a challenge. Um, business-wise, consistency, you know what I'm saying? Like, working, like, people glorify working for yourself and they'll be like, yeah, you know, get the hustle in make that your main business. And then you have to, you get that business, get another business. And I'm like, where y'all getting this time from, bro? <laughs> where y'all get, where y'all, where, who, some people are not meant to, Um, some people are not meant to 
be entrepreneurs. Everybody can't be an entrepreneur. I mean, everybody can, but mm-hmm. I've got to do it well. Some people are much more comfortable working for someone else 40 hours a week, getting off of work, coming home, eating, chilling. You know, they got their Saturdays and Sundays off. Mm-hmm. Like some people like that. Like some people need that. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I was like, Dang, what's next week gonna be like? <laughs> Let alone next month. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's tomorrow gonna be like? Yang, bills is coming out. I got this much left in my bank account and I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So even when I quit my job in 2017, I quit, you know, good, real good pay, um, benefits, you know, so on and so forth, steady income. Mm-hmm. hated it there and I wasn't seeing my daughter right I would go to work come home it'd be dark I'd leave it'd be dark I'm not seeing her right it was just too much and I said okay I'm gonna work for a company that cares about me and cares about my daughter and cares mm-hmm. about being, you know what I'm saying and that was my own right so but there was sacrifice right I gave up you know that those benefits. I gave up that steady, consistent, every two week pay. I mm. gave up. That's about it. <laughs> Everything else I gained. Mm. I gained back time with my child. I gained back time for myself. I gained back, you know, being able to take lunch breaks when I want to. I gained back being able to travel when I want to and things like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like, Every month is not a great month, but you grow to learn how to plan mm-hmm. and think ahead and stay above the wave and stay ahead of the wave so that you're not riding it or you're not getting dragged by the wave. Right. My homegirl Kim says, I don't ride the wave. I am the wave. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, word. Right. I, too, because what I have up here no one else has, right? What you have in your brain, no one else has. And those are our superpowers. And then when you stand in your superpower, you know, what what can't be yours? Right. Right? right. So, um, but those are, those are things that had to come to me over five, six years of being, you know, an entrepreneur um, and, and has gotten me this far. One thing I realized about the pandemic, um, you know, it was a very unfortunate event, you know, over the last couple of years. But my lady and I were fortunate enough to have our first child um, in 2019. Hey. Thank you, um, son. And before all of this happened, if all of this pandemic stuff never happened, I would have had to go straight back to work. She would have had to go straight back to work because women only get six weeks out of, mm-hmm. you know, work before they have to go back. And I would have missed all of that. The first two years of development. Progress, it's crazy. You know, and I feel that because we were there those first two years, he developed so quickly. Like he's a very intelligent young, young man. He's three now and he can count to up to a hundred. He, he knows his, alphabet front to back you know he can read like and his communication skills is wild you know like he can really communicate and I think that 
being able to control your own destiny, your own schedule is important, especially when you have a child, you know, who, who, who has to develop those first seven years of development is extremely important. And we have to be there as parents Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and corporate America somehow doesn't want us, you know, to be there and provide for kids, you know, they don't like, and like, and just, just even in like, even the joy you might feel as you see them develop, right? They're gaining all this knowledge from you, but you're watching them soak it up. Yes. And it's like, it's like watching a documentary. You're like, I'm watching you figure things out. And it's amazing how I can see your brain actively working. And now you're talking and now you're, you're running and now you're, you know, all it's like, it all happens so very quickly. Right. And mm-hmm. What stood out to me about the pandemic, and even though I wasn't in corporate America, I have friends who are still in corporate America, right? And so when I watched them transition to work from home, right, because no one was going into the office and how easy it was, they would sit back and be like, well, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do why, I do why, now? Why couldn't, why couldn't I stay home when my kid had a fever? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and why why couldn't I do X, Y, Z to stay home and all of this stuff. And now all of a sudden you're, you're creating ways for people to stay at home. And they saw how well people were doing. And then what they started to do was add, Oh, well, we haven't seen your mouse move or mm. we haven't <laughs> seen, you know, so like my, my, my home girl, I ain't going to say her name, right. Or who she works for, but she got a mouse jiggler. Cause I was sitting at her desk and I was, <laughs> I was like, yo, what is this thing? <laughs> what is this thing right here? And she was like, oh, girl, it goes off every few minutes just to move my mouse. And I was like, <laughs> why? She was like, because they, they're checking. We yeah. haven't seen your mouse move. People are having to install cameras to make sure that, like, things like that. It's like, dang, you can even ruin a work from home experience, right? Yeah. So the world is shifting in a way because of this pandemic to be like, okay, a lot of y'all are on BS and a lot of it is about control. And they're so afraid of us taking our power back. Right. So Mm -hmm. again, it goes, it's because we are creatives, we see these lines a little bit more easily. And we're like, I don't know. I'm putting eight, I'm putting A to B in it. I think you're trying to get over on me. Right. Mm -hmm. For the, for the, for the, and I can't say regular, but for everyday people who go to a job and, you know, that type of thing, um, it may have taken them a little bit longer, but I think this pandemic really showed them. Right. And it's like, look how much more happy folks are by being able to be there with their children and really look at their families first, not the work family that, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. they like to tell us about, but the real family, look what happens when we look towards each other and we take the time to be together and we take the time to chill and like love on each other and all of that stuff. Mm. You know Mm. what I'm saying? We're better off for it. Right. So, um, you know, those are things that I carry with me because I'm that, and, and honestly, that makes me more grateful that I do have this profession. Like, I'm I'm good for being somewhere and maybe having a great session or whatever it is, just being somewhere documenting something, or maybe I'll hear a piece of information. I just did a conference last week and they were spitting facts. I was like, and I said to myself, dang, I'm happy I do this. 
Because mm-hmm. why else would I have been here? How else would I have got this information, right? So it's like, we're blessed to be able to have this profession where we can move in and out of different circles and people for the most part don't, you know, don't necessarily notice us because we are a fly on the background, right? Or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Or, But we're able to enhance people's lives and be paid for it. That's just we, dope. We are the heartbeat of this country. Straight up. The creatives? Yeah. What does blackness mean to you? Everything. <laughs> blackness is everything. Blackness is like a warm hug. Mm. Blackness is eating a real ripe peach on a like a, a hot, hot breeze summer day. Like blackness is dap. Blackness is mm. blackness is everything right well i mean because when i think of blackness it's interesting i don't think necessarily of like entire diaspora i think of american right because mm-hmm. that's my perspective and even like on my website i would i would say thing i my bio i rephrased it now but i say like african-american community right because i don't i don't i haven't traveled outside to study or Mm. not study but to experience the black community elsewhere right but Mm. i enjoy speaking about blackness and our communities and our loves and our joys and our pains and our suffering and all of that stuff i enjoy speaking about it because even though sometimes it's hard it's ours Mm -hmm. right um And I try to reframe this idea that blackness is not blackness, not as a response to whiteness, but because blackness simply is. Mm -hmm. I don't like thinking about what is blackness like, well, who would we be if we didn't have racism and stuff like that? I'd be like, yo, we'd be free. (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. We would be we would be who we are in general, like we would be us as we are now, to be quite frank, you know what I'm saying? We would be us as we are now, but not hemmed up and not made to feel less and not to made, made to feel like we we don't have anything to offer. I was just talking to my daughter about, um, she's, she's about to be 13, right, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And we were talking about, mm, I don't know. I think we were talking. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was we were talking about, but I was trying to educate her on um, segregation and Jim Crow and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, can you imagine? I think maybe we heard about I think I was telling her she was talking to me about Till and how and I was like, yo, you know, that woman never went to jail. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, she was lying about the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're having this discussion and um and then somehow we we segued into Al Jolson and blackface and all this other stuff, right? So I'm telling her, I'm like, you know, they they pro- 
portrayed us in the media as being lazy, about being shiftless, about being slovenly, about being, uh, you know, extremely sexual and all these different things. And I'm like, I told you, I was like, they used to dress up as us. And she was mm-hmm. like, what, why would they do that? They don't like us. And I was like, but they love us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> they love us. But I was like, it's our job to love ourselves even more. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always trying to figure out how can we love ourselves more? Right. How can I show us loving ourselves more? How can I help us see who we really are? And that to me, it's hard to put a, a definition on black blackness. Like, you know, you think about black it's nothing. It's a void, but it's it's everything. It encompasses everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, in order to know black, you got to know white. And when I say white, I mean light, mm-hmm. right? We're always ready to shine. Like, we're always ready to stand in our fullest power. Mm-hmm. So. Blackness is a spectrum of light that we can't see. It's word. You know. Exactly. Um, I think information is key, especially, you know, teaching the youth because they, a lot of them get their information off of, you know, social media, TikTok, YouTube and whatnot, but just having access to knowledge, like the, the black dude who invented the filament and the light bulb, you mm-hmm. know, without him, it would just be a piece of glass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the guy who invented the, the gas mask or the guy who invented the, the street light. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason we got air conditioning in our houses. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all these pivotal people who don't really get recognition or are talked about are intricate in our development as a culture. Not yeah. only but from the science, but from music. You got jazz, you got blues, you got James Brown. You know? Man, when you come to that music... <laughs> you can't touch us. You, you, you know, I, I, I love watching dancers, right? Dancing, dancers are just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I'll be watching these Japanese folks getting it into this hip-hop music, and they be mm-hmm. killing it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm like, dang, hip-hop has went that far. Our culture has went that far. Um, when I see these different, like, these different takes on it, when I look at our hair, when I look at all of this stuff, it's like, how can y'all dislike us? Mm-hmm. How can y'all call us monkeys and all of these things when we are so, we're gods. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like, we are the pinnacle. Like we are, our hair grows to the sun, our skin. I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten sunburned before, so I can't say our sun is like, <laughs> our skin is like <laughs> impenetrable, but you know, we, we're a godly people. And, and on top of that, I think it's in our DNA we come from a place that is warm. We come mm-hmm. from a place where fruit and food is abundant. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. for the most mm-hmm. part, right? And we we don't know what it's like to, um, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but, but there's something inside of me that's saying, like, we come from an abundant place, yeah. which is why we share so easily. Mm-hmm. 
only when we come into contact with things that like strip away our values that we start to get that crab in a barrel mentality, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're an abundant people. So I lean in on that. I yeah. think a lot of creatives lean in on that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what we need to be focusing on, right? So when I speak about blackness, I, I'll be like, yo, I'm talking to, I'm about to go into my Dr. Umar. Like, if you're not <laughs> black, please get off the live. If you're not a black descent, please get off the live. Like, I'm really like, I'm into that, right? Mm-hmm. And so even like thinking about the pandemic, right? When all those uprisings, quote unquote, uprisings were happening and stuff, I had spoken with, um, I spoke with a few white folks, right? And they would ask me things like, if, if, if we wanted to be educated, what, what books would you say we should read, mm-hmm. right? To understand the plight of black America. And I'm like, I'm not a professor. Number <laughs> one. I'm not here. To, I'm not your professor of empathy. Mm-hmm. If you can't look at another person and be like, I could maybe put myself in your shoes. And I'm talking about when they're on the up and up. I'm not talking about like, you know, the the dregs of society, right? Mm. People harm on purpose. I'm not mm. talking about those folks. I'm talking about in general. If you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes, what 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 can I show you? What can I teach you? Right? Mm. Instead, I look at black folks and I say, let me show you how beautiful you are so that you'll see that and realize that. If I see some neighborhood boys up here at West End Mall, right? And I'm walking past him. I'll be like, yo, you are so beautiful. His friends were going to clown him. Mm-hmm. Right? Ah, you black. I'm like, you mm-hmm. are black. Mm-hmm. But you're a beautiful black man. Right? And you should walk with your head held high. They may think I'm crazy. But I'm going to spread this love wherever I can. You know what I'm saying? However I can. Affirmations. You come on now. That's what it is. You know, you have to speak it. Think it first. Speak it. And it'll manifest. Come on. One thousand percent, one thousand percent. And, you know, how fortunate, like I said, it's a blessing that we're able to be the message bearers. We're able to be the conduits. We're able to be the the people who connect A to B, right? It's, it's, I'm like, dang, I'm on the right path, yo, because... Every day, something is telling me you're you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. If I try to force something, if I try to force another narrative on myself, I would be living a lie. And we're not here long enough to entertain lies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we're not here long enough for that. So, like, why live scared? Why live fearful? Because you're afraid of what someone's going to think of you. And they can kick rocks. They're not living your experience. Yeah. You are. And when you give up your power to say, oh, well, that's not political. No, I don't say you're not politically correct, but like respectability politics and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you got to be a certain way when you're in a certain company, unless they're an elder. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. And even when you are around the elder, still be yourself. Mm hmm. 
right? Don't change yourself. Don't don't feel like you got a code switch. Who are you code switching for? Hmm. Who is that for? That's not for you. You're having to learn a whole new language because of respectability politics and you're not willing to stand in who you are. Can't do it, man. Can't do it. And I won't do it. A lot of it is as well um, identity. You know, if you have no idea who you are or who we are as a people, you know, a lot of us still think with the European mindset that they set upon us, you know, whether it be political stance, religion, spirituality, whatever, what have you, you know what I mean? Sometimes we have to sit back, observe, mm-hmm. and really think critically, like, is that really me? Am I supposed to be a part of this? Am I a Democrat? Am I a Republican? Am I Christian, Muslim, mm-hmm. like whatever? Who am mm-hmm. I? And a lot of us don't know that. A lot of us don't know who we are. And they don't even know how to begin to ask those questions. Mm. Right? And that's, again, why we are so fortunate to be in the positions that we are or the positions that we've been called to be in as mm. creatives because we make it easier, a little bit easier for them to ask those questions mm. and to begin to say, damn, is this, the, is this the path I'm supposed to be on? You know what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute. I never thought about it like this. Let me look at more of this art. And it's going to may, sh- may show me something, may start to ask those questions, um, you know, and like that's that's a responsibility. That's why those kind of questions where they talk to rappers and say, oh, are rappers responsible for the work, you know, the, the lyrics they put out mm. and these young kids are listening to them and glorifying certain things? Absolutely. Mm. You have a responsibility. The parents also have a responsibility because the 12 year old should never have access to Facts. some of this rap that's out here to begin with. So that's on the parents as well. But when you're of age and you're, you know what I'm saying? And you can say what you're going to listen to, say what you're not going to listen to, you know, those artists do have, I feel a, a responsibility um, to uplift, like still spit the real but don't glorify the, the the stuff that may dwindle our numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that the lifestyles that's not for us. Um, but you know, maybe I'm just old school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm, maybe the same I'm just way. An old school, an old ass <laughs> woman. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. I but I, for me, I can't. Like again, going back to what we can control, can control, cannot control. Mm. I ain't trying to like tell nobody what they need to do with their existence and what makes sense to them. For Mm. me though, I know that there are young people following my page. I try to block them all because you never know what I might post, but (laughs) while you're still flying under the radar, you know what I'm saying? Um, Understand that there's going to be positive content out here. And, um, and that's not something I'm going to waver on, even when the conversations get hard and we start talking about, you know, things that are a little more unsavory, things that will make us cry, things that will make us angry, all of that. But it's still going to be from a place of advancement and open conversation. Mm, I love that. Um, 
few more questions for you. Um, what's your creative process like? If a client reaches out to you and they want to, you know, work with you, um, what what's the process like from A to A to A to Z? You don't have to give up the sauce if you don't want to, but what's the process? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's no different really than anyone else's. Like, you know what I'm saying? We have a consultation. Mm. We talk about their vision. We execute the vision. And then, you know, we go our separate ways, right? Mm. Um, but again, because I'm always trying to... Uh, go a little layer deeper and like deeper and deeper and deeper because I, yeah, it's great that you need these headshots, but why are you here? Why me? Or why now? Right. Um, it's in the sauce is in the interaction, Mm. right? Um, because I genuinely care and it doesn't come off as BS because it's not BS. Right. I'm not asking you, I'm not making I'm not cracking a joke just to get you to smile. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm good for being like, yo, your smile is mad fake right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you or I'll say things like, look, if you're gonna come in here with the fake smiles, you might as well not smile. Let's see what you look like when you don't smile. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to smile in here. And people will be like, for real? I'm like, what? Why do you have to smile? Who told you you have to smile? Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, oh, dang, yeah, you're right. I don't have to smile. In fact, I don't smile a whole bunch. I'm used to not smiling. I'm like, well, let's let's have a look at that face, right? Mm-hmm. So the sauce is just me, right? Being authentic. Um, and honestly, the same thing could be said for any photographer, right? Mm-hmm. The sauce is you, right? And no one can replicate that. So, you know, in general, yeah, my process is really not any different than, you know, the next photographer, but it's the way I work with them that can't be duplicated. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, What's your tool of choice? Would you, do you rather um, digital photography or film? Uh. So I would love to get into film. I've only um, photographed, I've only photographed one, like be a film one time, like one real time. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like there was, again, there was that sense of, hmm, what's going to happen here? I don't know what's going to happen. What's around that, you know, what's around that corner, right? Mm-hmm. It intrigued me um, because I couldn't see the final product. For the most part, though, I'm definitely digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I can shoot as much as I want and and get mad at myself later on when I'm editing, <laughs> you know, 600 pictures when it really definitely should have been two mm-hmm. um, at most. But because it doesn't matter, as long as my battery's going and I got space in my memory card, let's let's do this, let's do that. I, I photographed a couple um, a couple a couple weeks ago. And they got a handshake, you know what I'm saying? They got a special handshake. So mm-hmm. I'm getting a close-up of the handshake, but it's not quite going right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not quite getting it how I need to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to go check back, like when I went to go through the pictures, why well, I got like 60 pictures of these hands. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yo, yeah, you, yeah. you really need to 
start to slow down, Mel. You really need to like start to think about your shots before you pick up that camera even. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. now you're overshooting and now you're spending more time in post. Now you're spending more time in the editing process. And um, we ain't got time for that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, I mean, I mean this, like, this, I'm sorry not to cut you yeah, off. This yeah. is why film, you know, is important because you only get a certain amount of frames. You know, I think 12 to 24 at the most. So it makes you slow down and really conceptualize what you're going to shoot at that moment. Yep. You have to think about it. You have to. That's why. I mean, not to say that people nowadays don't have fire photography, but mm-hmm. that's why when you look at Gordon Parks, mm-hmm. you'd be like, now, granted, Gordon Parks did work for Life magazine, so he probably had a lot of film. Mm-hmm. But or you look at Jamel Shabazz and you're like, dang, you was a young man doing, you know, making these portraits. But you didn't have infinite <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. film. Um, and that was a thing that I did feel from the time that I did uh, photograph film like with film was all right is this shot really something I want to you know use this exposure on I don't know maybe let me think about it it forced me to take a step back and be super present in the moment Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about later on I had to be right there in that time right Mm -hmm. and so are you do you do you shoot mostly film uh, here and there, both, you know, depends on how I'm feeling that day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My last question of the evening. Yeah. What is the hardest part about being Melissa Alexandria? Alexander, excuse me. Are you good? Um, <laughs> um, the hardest part about being Melissa Alexander Man, that's a good question, bro. <laughs> um, uh, my stubbornness. Mm. My stubbornness. What I'm working on in 2023 is to listen to my God mind more. The God mind is the first mind. The God mind is the mind that says the answer is A, but you be like, mm, I think it might be B. Then you go look at the Scantron and the answer was A, right? I'm stubborn and I sometimes don't learn from someone telling me that it's hot, like something's hot. I got to find out if it's hot myself. And so that has not always been, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That hasn't always been um, to my benefit, right? Um, because I got to control this, that, and the third. I control my narrative. Mm-hmm. But understanding that when you give up that control and you release that stubbornness, um, then a lot more can come my way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm much more open to other perspectives and being like, you know what? I didn't think about it like that. That's a good look. And it takes nothing away from me to admit that maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why even in our conversation, you know, earlier, 
when you were like, you know, think about it like this. And I was like, damn, you're right. That's a great way to think about it because now I've enhanced my perspective because of yours, mm. right? Old Melissa might have been like, yeah, that sounds cool, but um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And how 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 much forward thinking, how, how much forward movement can we make with thought like that, mm. right? So um, that's what kind of makes it hard sometimes to be me. That's sometimes, but we working on it, right? Working on it, working on it, working on it, trying to be better. That's all we can do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) they ain't the right. Every day ain't good, but for the most part, forward progression is like the name of the game. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I was beautiful. That was heavy and beautiful at the same time. Amen. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, your work is amazing. Um, I really love the visuals, the the stills, and as well as everything in motion. And, I appreciate um, it. No problem. How can people check out your work, or maybe if they're in the area, you know, yeah. book you for a commission? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're in Atlanta, um, I mean, of course, I travel too, but. In general, you can find me online at phyllisiller.com. That is P-H-Y-L-L-I-S-I-L-L-E-R.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S, period, like with a dot, I-L-L-E-R. Also, my name is Melissa Alexander, so, you know, Google me. (laughs) 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 Nah, but, um, but, you know, um, always open for conversations and you know whatever's pushing that needle forward whatever's mm-hmm. gonna like make us look good i'm happy to be a part of that amazing um yeah. if you have been in the, the, the dc or maryland area man just give us a shout and if we're in that I area sure will. Man, i sure will where yeah. where in dc like what you said D.C., Maryland, where? Um, well, we just moved away from D.C., um, from southeast, but we're in uh, Prince George's County, not too far away from D.C. Okay, word, word, word. Yeah, so not too far. We're in so. Gaithersburg. Oh, yeah, so. that's far. <laughs> far. Is it far? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's an hour, hour drive or whatever, you know. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, dang, that's crazy. But you know what? I do have plans, hopefully, to be up there Um later on this year so if and when that does happen i'll definitely reach out to y'all for sure perfect perfect um once again thank you um no problem peace love have a good one you too peace